So what's going on? What's going on, everybody? We doing all right? So I guess you guys are the folks who didn't pay $2,000 for a seat, the World Series. Hey, before you do sit down, make sure you're at a table with other people. If there's a couple people at your table, if you feel free to like join someone else, maybe like invite someone over to your table. Uh, so yeah, like I said, like you didn't spend $2,000 on a, a ticket uh, for a World Series game. Uh, heard that the score was five nothing Astros last time, uh, but we believe that God can do miracles as well. But uh, we're going to focus on eternal things tonight. It sounds like an excuse. It might be, but it's the truth, right? We're going to focus on God tonight, and uh, we're going to go quick through this because we only have a little bit. <laughs> so uh, I just want to start with a little bit of an activity. When I was a youngin', I was just a, a, a wee little lad in uh, in. Uh, Thanks, yeah, in, in Sunday school. I wasn't that little. We didn't start going to church till I was like seven years old after my parents got divorced. But I was in Sunday school, and Mr. Dave and Mrs. Cindy Adams taught me a lesson that I will never, ever forget. It had to do with a minty, fresh, anti-cavity toothpaste, a plate, and a volunteer. And so what I have tonight is a tube of minty fresh, anti-cavity, ultra-mint, multi-benefit, anti-cavity fluoride gel toothpaste tonight. I also have a plate, and I also need a volunteer, a fearless volunteer to come join me on the stage. All right, Mary got called out. Give it up for Mary. Come on and join me. Uh, and, and since it's been said before that I, people say I always have to like up the ante and I've got this flair for dramatic, I'm going to add a couple of other things into the mix tonight. I need one other fearless volunteer. So we're going to have two volunteers. Tucker, come on down. And we might as well throw one other thing into the mix. How about like a ladder? How about that? You want to do that? Well, give it up for the ladder at least. So like I said, we're going to have some fun tonight. We've got a ladder, we've got Mary, we've got Tucker, we've got toothpaste. So Tucker, you have health insurance, right? He works in the movie business, so I think he has health insurance. Come on and join me on the stage and climb the ladder. Oh, wait, wait let me move it a little bit closer to the edge first. All right, make sure it's balancing there on the edge. Go ahead and climb the ladder. And Mary, I'm going to give you the plate. You ready for this? You have no idea what's going on. Neither of you do. So go ahead and stand over here to Tucker. It, Tucker's, I don't know, below him, whatever. So Tucker's going to take the tube of minty fresh anti-cavity toothpaste, and he is going to try and squeeze it out as fast as he possibly can. I'm going to be shaking the ladder while he does this. I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. That would be bad. But Mary is going to try and catch all the toothpaste that is coming out, just don't get it on the stage, just like hang off a little bit. There we go, perfect. All right, so give it up for them. I wanna hear like a noise, applause as they're going. Ready, here we go. Oh! All of it, get it all out, every single 
Keep it going, keep it going. I mean, you could last two more weeks with toothpaste like that. A little bit, all right, there we go. Give it up for Tucker and Mary. Come on down, Tucker. Mary, stay right there, come on down. Yeah, come on down. Don't fall, please. You aren't covered under our insurance. Go ahead and stand right down here uh, next to Mary. What I want you to do now is you have 30 seconds. As a team, you're going to try and get as much of that toothpaste back in the toothpaste can as you can. Ready, go. Cheer them on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Nice job of cheering them on, that's great. All right, let's see. Let's show, show everybody how much you got back into the tube. All right, give it up for Tucker and Mary. Yeah, you can, you can keep that as a souvenir. Thank you so much. One more time for them. You know, our, our words and our actions sure come out quick sometimes, like a tube of toothpaste. But sometimes those words and actions are really hard to take back. That's the lesson that I learned when I was like seven years old, and I realized in my life there's a lot of words and a lot of actions that come out really quick, really fast, but then they are really hard to take back, and there sure is a whole lot of stuff that I wish that I could take back. And maybe you're in that same boat tonight, that maybe there's some stuff that you've said or done or even thought about that you wish that, man, maybe I... Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I shouldn't have, have thought those thoughts. Well, tonight as we continue with our verse-by-verse -verse study through Psalm 89, we're gonna continue tonight with what Dustin talked about last week with King David and his lineage, his monarchy, and also the promise of God's faithfulness. I, I love how Dustin said this. He said, quote, does God really keep his promises? If he did it for David... He'll do it for us. So verse 30 picks it up tonight in the same vein with that same type of thought, but it begins with a big but, B-U-T, a big conjunction. Anyone watch Schoolhouse Rock? Yep. How's that song go? Conjunction. Awesome. I'm so proud of you guys. So let's stand. If you're able to stand, we're going to read from Psalm 89. We'll read verses 30 and 31 up to 32. It says, But if his descendants forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations. So pause real quick. We've just talked about how God is going to preserve the lineage of King David and all of these wonderful 
kings, but if his descendants forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations, if they do not obey my decrees and fail to keep my commands, then I will punish their sin with the rod and their disobedience with beating. So God, help us to understand these words tonight. These words that seem awfully violent and kind of confusing too. Speak to us tonight about our words and thoughts and actions that maybe we wish we could take back. And maybe there's a different road that we could take, Lord. So speak to us in a profound way tonight. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So when we look at these verses here, verses 30 through 32, is God the strict school teacher back in those good old days of corporal punishment? You know, California outlawed corporal punishment in public schools in 1986. Now, I know we have some teachers in the room here tonight who have been teaching. Maybe, I mean, I know you guys are all really young people, um, but maybe some of you were teaching in 1986. You don't have to raise your hand, but maybe corporal punishment was a part of your curriculum. Maybe not, but is God this strict teacher? Is God the Muhammad Ali or the George Foreman or even the Mike Tyson of discipline? Is God the abusive parent who needs a visit from CPS? Let's do some table talk tonight. I want you to talk to the people around you. Grab a Bible if you don't have them. They're there at the back. Read Psalm 89, verses 30 to 32, and then read Psalm 23. And do this all loud. Do this together. And I want you to answer this question. How do you reconcile or make sense of or harmonize these concepts within these two selections of Scripture? Ready, go. We're going to take a closer look here at the words, these seemingly harsh words, these challenging words of Ethan the Ezraite, the author of this psalm. The psalm is attributed to a man named Ethan. Let's take a closer look. Verse 30 through 32 says, but if his descendants, that is David's descendants, forsake my instructions and fail to obey my regulations. Let's put that on the screen so everyone can see. If they fail to obey my regulations, if they do not obey or desecrate my decrees and fail to keep my commands, then I will punish their sin, the Hebrew says, with the shevet with a rod or with a club. The Hebrew reads a little bit more woodenly. I will punish with a club their rebellion and their disobedience with beating. So it sounds kind of harsh. It sounds kind of violent. But despite this harsh image about punishing their sin with the rod and their, their disobedience with a beating, the language here actually reflects the relationship between a father and a son. Now, you may think of your father as not quite the best disciplinarian. Um, maybe it was really bad, really tough. Um, well, God is quite, a, as we sang, a, a good, 
good father, a good one, a loving one, a caring father. I heard this group right here talking about the responsibilities of God as a parent. And according to Proverbs, this shevet, this club, or this rod was sometimes utilized to administer corporal punishment to rebellious children, like getting the switch. Anyone how to do that? Raise your hand if you had to get that switch. Man, all guys, apparently. That's interesting. Takes us a little bit longer to learn, and it has to be a green one, right? Not a brown one, because it has to be nice and nice and fresh. Yeah, you get another one if it's not. Uh, sin and, and disobedience, those things that, that come out so quick, so easy, so fast, those things that we just can't take back, they actually bring on discipline. And maybe rightly so, because without discipline, that sin and that disobedience has the opportunity to run rampant. Let's do some more table talk tonight. How has discipline shaped your life? Now, I know this is a very broad question. This could refer to maybe the discipline you received growing up. Maybe this means personal daily disciplines that you have for yourself. But just in general, how has discipline shaped your life? Discipline, we don't like discipline, right? Like we don't, it's not fun to dish it out, right? It may not be fun to receive it, but how about like maybe like a personal discipline? How has that shaped your life? Anything? We all have disciplines, right? Like we brush our teeth, we feed ourselves, we wash, we, you know, maybe read the Bible on a hopefully daily basis, exercise, whatever, like how is discipline, this table right here, strapping young lads right here. I know, I'm looking for him. Appreciate the participation right there. Nice. <laughs> it's all right. I understand. We'll discipline you later. This is not working out. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Thanks for sharing. So let's take a closer look here uh, as we go forward with this language that kind of describes discipline here, God's discipline toward Israel in Psalm 89. So I will punish their sin with the rod and their disobedience with beating. Now, this sounds figurative to me. I don't think that God actually goes around swatting down rebel rousers with a stick, with a club or a rod, but maybe we experience his discipline by the experiences that we face. I don't know, but it's a good question. Does God discipline us? And if so, how? I think that's an interesting question. Now, I'm not trying to ignite some sort of debate about whether we should or shouldn't spank our kids or inflict incredible brutality upon them by making them write sentences or pull weeds like we got all the above. But there is this major difference between discipline and abuse. And I see here godly discipline, not 
godly abuse. But verses 33 through 34 continue with another big but, a big conjunction. So I will punish their sin with a rod and their disobedience with beating. But verse 33 says, but I will never stop loving him. That is David, his lineage, Israel, the church, us today. I will never stop loving him nor fail to keep my promise to him. No, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said, though we may stop loving God, God will not stop loving us. Think about that for just a moment. Though we may stop loving God, God will not stop loving us. Tell me someone in your life that I'm going to stop loving them and they're still going to love me back. You may say mama, you know, even bad boys love their mama. It's from 310 Yuma, great movie. But Tell me someone, I, I, that's, that's someone very rare and very special, but though we may stop loving God, God will not stop loving us. Though we may fail to keep our promises to God, God will never fail to keep his promises to us. There's a lot that I wish that I could take back, but God doesn't need to take back anything, not even a single uttered word. Verses 35 through 37 says, I have sworn an oath to David, and in my holiness I cannot lie. His dynasty will go on forever. His kingdom, well, what, what, what kingdom is he talking about here? What dynasty? Is this the, the lineage of, of David? Well, we see Jesus and his kingdom coming straight from the root of David, sprouting this Davidic dynasty. His kingdom will endure as the sun. Well, actually, a little bit longer than the sun because our sun only has a couple four to five billion years left on the clock. It will endure as the sun. It will be as eternal as the moon, my faithful witness in the sky. And then the next word is interlude, or in Hebrew, it's selah which is a, a break or a pause, a moment for reflection. And I want to do that. Let's just stop and take a moment just to think about the eternal reality of God's faithfulness. Just stop and think about God's faithfulness right now. Say la, that's what it means. So when you're reading scripture, when you're reading through the Psalms and you come across, maybe it's, it's probably offset and to the right, maybe it's a break within the paragraph, say la. Take a moment and just reflect on what you just read, maybe, or what you just sang or what you just prayed. Like, just take a moment to, to take it all in, right? We are bombarded every day by so much information from the media, from just driving on the road, from the noise that's all around us, and then we don't have time to process that. But when we take a moment and say, ah, take a moment just to stop and think, especially about the things of God. I'm not saying it's bad to think about all the things that we are bombarded with, but especially take a moment to stop and think about what is God doing in my life? What is God doing in the situation that really is tough or is really, really good? Like take a moment and just Soak it all in, a moment for reflection.
You know, every couple of weeks, I get to see uh, my baby boy, my baby boy being pieced together. And we got to see some more of that today. And I want to share with you my wife's uterus again. Uh, Some of you guys saw this before. Do we have my wife's uterus up there? Thank you. So there's not six of them. That's just, uh, just one bun in the oven. And uh, this is him, and he's being pieced together, ribs and toes and bones and lungs. And think about this. I mean, you've got this one up on the uh, upper left. He kind of looks like Batman. It's really f- kind of freaky looking. But this, this little baby that's being pieced together, 11 ounces today, heart rate of 135 BPM He's like sucking his thumb, he's rubbing his eyes, and I just think when I see this and hear this heartbeat, I just think, man, God is faithful. Like, he does all this stuff, and I don't deserve any of it, not one bit. And I think about, like, just with a simple thing like this, like, God, you are faithful to create life. And you promise to continue to create life, not just physical life, but new spiritual life, new revival that we experience every day. And I I think maybe I just see it differently. Like when I see a baby being formed, you see that life created. And it's something just so incredible where I see God's hand clearly at work. And I, I think like, why, God, why are you faithful? Why are you faithful well, it's, it's who he is. And God doesn't go against his own nature. And I think, well, I do all the time. Like, I'm a Christian, but I hope I act like it, you know, more than I don't act like it. But sin and disobedience, it would not cancel out God's promises to David made in the covenant, made in the promise. Here in this passage, God's basically saying, even if they refuse to do what I tell them, Even if they refuse to walk in the way that I show them, even if they spit on the directions that I give them and tear up the rules that I post for them, I'm going to rub their faces in the dirt of their rebellion. And I'm going to make them face the music, face what they have done. But I will never throw them out, never abandon or disown them. I'm not about to withdraw my holy promise, says God. There's never any need for me to take back the words I've already spoken. I've given my word, my whole and holy word. David's family tree and his lineage to Jesus is here for good. His all-powerful sovereignty is as sure as the sun, dependable as the phases of the moon, inescapable as weather. But why, God? Why are you so faithful? It's who he is. So what do we do in response to that? In response to the faithfulness of God when he is faithful, but I am not. How do I respond to that? Well, I think we need to praise him for it. Praise him for it with your life. Praise him for it with your love. Praise him with it, with all that you are. Praise him with all your faithfulness. When it's so easy to do the wrong thing, just do the right thing. It's that simple, one step at a time. Rather than doing what's easy, do what's good. What might be harder. 
That's what I'm gonna try and do. That's what I'm pulling out of tonight. When I read this, I think about the faithfulness of God and how can I be faithful to this good and loving father? This father who, man, it's tough, right? But sometimes a good dad, a good father is going to be tough. But he's good and he's loving and it's worth it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. You're a God who works in so many ways that we don't even realize. But you are so active around us And we pray that we would attune our hearts and minds to that, that we would refocus ourselves, and that tonight we would consider maybe those things that we've done or said that we wish we could take back. Help us not, though, to live in regret, but to leave those things here tonight, to drop them, to realize we aren't perfect, but God, you are perfect, and you can help us to become holy, to become set apart, whole, right, made new, and refreshed. So help us just to leave here tonight, Lord, feeling lighter than when we came in. We love you and we praise you for the eternal things that you're doing in our world. Help us to love this world one person at a time as we learn what it means to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray.